Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Bishop of the Burn, Nick, and with me, as always, it's Gator. And joining us from the Toscano Studios at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, we have Mr. Jonathan of the Cigar Authority. How are you, sir? Hey, what's happening, guys? Not much. We are not worthy. Not worthy. Not Not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Get out of here. I've listened listened to some of your interviews, (laughs) and you guys pretend like you're going off the cuff. You obviously do your homework, and you come packing. Well, that's without, you know, goes without saying. I mean, come on. (laughs) And we're starting early with that. Yes, we are. Uh, Now, so... I had talked with Mr. Jonathan about what cigar we were going to smoke today, and he had requested originally the Aladino Corojo Reserva. Which is, yeah, which is bullshit that you smoke that with its creator and not with me, who I, I buy the most of them <laughs> in the world. Me personally, I'm Aladino's number one customer and almost <laughs> exclusively buy the Corojo Reserve in the Robusto format. So, so yeah, so we, we decided not to smoke that one again. Yes. But we have a backup that is just as good. We are going to be smoking today the Aladino Cameroon. And I don't know what size Mr. Jonathan has. We have the Robusto. Five by fifty. Yeah, I didn't know how long I didn't know how long we were going to be doing this, and I didn't want to go Robusto and run out, so I went Toro. Okay, Super Toro. Pretty interesting that they're growing Cameroon tobacco in Honduras. And as I understand it, and this is piecing information together both from Christian Aroa, the brother. And also conversations with Husto, they have partnered with Bear Systems. So if they have a soil sample from anywhere in the world and that's a similar climate, they can recreate the soil conditions for the seed strain that they're trying to grow. So they have a at least a field growing this Cameroon tobacco, and they have that soil as close to Cameroon, Africa as they can get it chemically. And that's how they're able to produce such a great wrapper. Very cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we are going to be smoking this. It, it does have a Cameroon wrapper. The binder and filler are both Corojo. So, well, how about we go ahead and cut the cigar? Yes. And the official cutting is brought to you by Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. This might seem familiar. I just want to point that out. And our man Dan over there at Riverman, he's continuing to... Uh, Deal with whatever the government throws him as it relates to COVID. He was was getting the lounge ready for people and and everything. And then all of a sudden, St. Louis County and, and city decided that they were going to insist on masks again. So I know Dan has got the 1,500 square foot covered patio out in the front. He's letting people bring their, their lawn chairs and sit out and social distance outside. And he's got... All the cigars you'll need for for hanging out and having a good time. Something for every budget, $3 to $100. And for those of you who don't live in the St. Louis area, or maybe your brick and mortar isn't open yet, Dan does do mail order. So you can just give him a call, place an order, and he will be sure to get those cigars sent to you that day. There you go. Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. Nick, have I showed you my uh, COVID smoking mask? No. Yeah, I just cut a hole in it. Clever. Yeah. Okay. Just put the cigar right in there. Yeah. I'm sure that works well. I don't know why I didn't think of that. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> Have you been doing a mask? Are you pulling no. the mask down and smoking the cigar? Because you can smoke with the I mask don't... still on if you put a hole in it. You, this may surprise you guys uh, and your your fans of the show, so you know I, I lean toward the libertarian side of things. Oh, and so... given that no body of Congress has voted to make it an actual law 
that people have to wear masks. I just, I won't wear one. You know, on a gums mandate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think libertarian leaning is what you'll find on this end of the cast as well. Yes. So, so. Oh. I'm religious. I take my, I, I'm religious about taking my temperature and uh, checking my own vitals and making sure that I don't have any symptoms. And as long as I'm symptom free, I feel fine going out into the public. And the vast majority of my time is spent in a smoking environment, a chain smoking environment. And uh, within 90 seconds, the cigar smoke will kill virtually any airborne pathogen that could attack a human. Now, it's funny you say that because we've actually talked about that on the cast. And there have been studies. I know uh, there was a French study that people that smoked, and I think that was leaning towards cigarettes and whatnot, but cigars were probably in there too. But people that smoked cigarettes were being hospitalized at a lower rate. So, you know, I'm not a scientist by any means, but, you know, I can play one on the podcast. So jumping jumping a little bit ahead in, in our interview, I, we had interviewed a guy by the name of Mark S. Mikosi. He is famous for being one of the writers of Monograph Number 9, the largest study ever done on cigars. Uh, he runs a uh, online newspaper that is uh, called Insider's Cures. And I, he was in the shop. He buys cigars from us. He was in the shop, and I was having a conversation with him. And he's the one that let me know. He is a scientist, by the way, that cigar smoke will kill those pathogens, especially COVID, within 90 seconds. And it, it's no mistake that airplanes are using smoke to purge the whole tube after people get out of it. Interesting. Very. I like it. Yeah. Well, why don't it, we go It may ahead? have proved my theory correct, because that was an early theory of mine that I didn't know any cigar smokers. Now, we have interviewed one that thinks he had it, and God love you, Bjorn, but I don't know if he was ever actually tested. But, um, but it, you know, he, he recovered, and it was a fairly mild case from the way it sounds. How about we go ahead and actually cut this cigar? Do you want to cut? I do. Oh. Well, you, you just, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just assumed once, once the commercial was over. Oh, no. Uh, Feel free. free right. Nick, so, yeah. the official one is brought to you by the Vertigo Cyclone. This is the one I carry in my pocket. <laughs> uh, you've got uh, single action. You've got to flip the lid uh, you're by yourself. You've got no double wall protection on this one. The Cyclone 2 does have that. Uh, you press the button. Three jets come alive, and they're fueled by the patented Vertigo big-ass tank. There is no better lighter on the market than the Vertigo Cyclone. The 13 bucks, or you could buy them two for 20 Some stores sell them for 10 I don't. I, it's a great lighter. I, I love the fact that the only guy making money on our podcast is Mr. Johnson. <laughs> well, no, here's what's awesome is I actually have a Vertigo Cyclone lighter right here as well. Now, I, mean, I want to show you my lighter. Look at that. The cigar pulpit or uh, Zippo there. Look at that. He doesn't have the fancy butane inside. And, and I've also got the Bic as a backup. Actually, two Bics. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Although I, I don't know, I don't know oh, that no. I would like... I don't know that I would light a cigar with a Zippo. But. Feel free to you know say whatever you want to say to him. <laughs> but, but you know, Jonathan, the thing that I like about it, it infuriates Nick when I do this during the cast. Stop. He now, just... if, you spent, uh, if you spent about 1500 bucks, you could do that with a DuPont. You'd have clean burning butane. And it would not only be annoying, but it would be douchey at the same time. <laughs> I'm oh, no. all in. That that's definitely Jeff. <laughs> I'm all Annoying in. and douchey. So I'm using my uh, perfect cut, by the way, from uh, no, or no, not, not no. I'm the, using my Bjorn cutter. Yes, Bjorn cutter. So anyway, my perfect right. cut from Riverman is actually in the Jeep. I was using that yesterday. Cold draw time. As long as we're, as long as we're talking about what we're using today, I used my <laughs> Calibri double cutter here. 
This is a straight cutter on one side and a V cutter on the other side. That they call it the SV. That's what I've got. V cut. That looks very it's familiar. Reverse V. I I use the rose gold one. I've cut over ten thousand times with this cutter, and it is still sharp enough to go right through the cellophane. That's awesome. No, no. Hold on. Let me ask you this: since you since you broached that, have the same tools there. Um. So, are you a pro cut through the cellophane guy, or take the cellophane off and then cut? Well, here's the thing: if it's my cigar, I take it out of the cellophane. I don't. I'm, I'm not with the whole COVID thing. I'll touch my cigar. But if a customer asks me to cut their cigar and it's in cellophane to make them more comfortable, just out of habit, I make the cut through the cellophane and hand them the cigar still celloed. And it's just an added touch to the customer service that I feel I deliver. Fair enough. I also count them to buy a cutter because they should have their own cutter and not be using mine. But well, ah, yeah. whatever, not everybody has the money. Well, I mean, you can get a basic cutter for like four bucks. Yes. You yeah. Know? So, which I have three of. I know. And keep losing them. So, anyway, cold draw, Jeff. Now, think about when you when you buy a more expensive cutter or you buy a more expensive lighter, you are less likely to lose them because they have a value. If you can just pick up another one for four dollars, the value isn't there. So I, I would be more apt to leave my house without my car keys than I would without my lighter and cutter. Ask Nick about how he lost his uh, cutter. I I had a um, Zycar. Well, I found it. I had a Zycar, one of the XO cutters, and yeah. uh, I I misplaced it and couldn't find it for a while. So that's when I went ahead and sprung for the Calibri SV cutter. Then literally the day I placed the order for the Calibri, that's when I tracked down the XO cutter. Yeah, nothing. Zycar makes a they make a decent product, you know, with the the lifetime guarantee and all that. But I have found with the Calibri. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe they're using German steel on the blades. And German steel tends to hold its edge much longer than other steels. And that's why I just have had, I've had very, very good luck with it. I'm not taking anything away from anybody else's cutters. I've just had great luck with the Calibri. No, I, I like my SV cutter. So what so are you getting on the cold, cold draw? draw. Well, you go first, Nick. Well, we could, I, I think we have to ask for the infamous Mr. Jonathan tasting note here. So did you do a cold draw? Have you lit already? Oh, yeah. I'm into oh, this. You're into this. So, okay. So did you so what do, you do get, a cold what draw? What I did on the cold draw on this is there is a very, very subtle sour component, much like if you were to dust off Sour Patch Kids and just just inhale over the dust. <laughs> not taste <laughs> Inhale over the dust, not hard enough to inhale it because you, you'll get yourself messed up if you do that. But right over the dust, that that slightly sour aroma is what I pick up. Along with your standard with Corojo tobacco, you're going to get a lot of barnyard uh, along with that. But there's a little sourness to it. See, I'm getting almost like a hay. Yeah, that yeah. Bar- like he said, yeah, that's yeah. that barnyard. Yeah, that makes sense. I like now, that. now, Mr. Jonathan. Oh, one thing boy. that we do here on the cigar pulpit, and I've patented this by the way, but you're welcome to use it. Just, I'll I'll uh, I'll acquiesce and let you have this. Oh God, I do what I refer to as a cold retro hail. And I'll I've actually how do you do this? Yes. And it I I feel that it works. Let me try it on this one now. It's me filleting my cigar. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not picking up anything extra. <laughs> Moron. <laughs> but oftentimes I do. Fair enough. I've never I've never tried and I, I remember hearing you say that and I've tried to make a mental note 
of uh, of trying to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna endeavor to do that in the future. <laughs> it, it, it's my contention that the olfactory senses will pick up extra tasting notes or enhance the tasting notes you're getting just on the cold draw. Yeah, I mean it certainly makes sense. I struggle myself with retrohaling cigar smoke. I just I'm terrible at it. It stings the nostrils unbelievably. It does. So, but you've gotten but so much better at it. I have gotten better. You know what stung the nostrils was our Tuesday podcast. Uh, we did the firecracker. Ah. From Two Guys Cigars. Yeah, we had the Perdomo firecracker. And the retro hail on that thing was... Uh, Heavy was, on the white pepper. It was peppery. Very peppery. Yeah, as it should be. Uh, so interesting about that particular blend and we ordered an unprecedented 1000 boxes of those uh and there's there's another batch that's coming i don't have any idea how many there are dave doesn't know how many there are i i have i have a feeling that it's a lot because it's nick perdomo and that's just how he rolls we may actually know that number i would say i could i could tell you 500 boxes and you know, you might be looking at it right around Labor Day based upon our podcast from <laughs> oh, Tuesday, <Fair> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if, if Nick Perdomo is saying 500, because I don't think the number, the, the, I don't think the number has been told to us. So if he's comfortable saying 500, yeah, it's, it's probably legitimately a thousand. Well, I, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, and see when he, well, the guy's he, a marketing genius. He, under, he underestimates stuff all the time <laughs> to, to make sure he has to know. Well, I know when he was on your show and you guys were smoking the uh, the firecracker there. Um, or no, you weren't. You did, did you have the firecracker? You didn't have the. I kn- smoked it with. Him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened uh, to that cast. Right. And then yeah. the second hour is when you smoke the new Maduro and the, the new, new Sun Girl. Yeah. That's right. Um, I know that he had mentioned that he had made more, and he made the comment about you know something his grandmother told him about you know don't people uh, don't make people wait to to give you money or something like that. Yes. Yeah. It was brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. He's he is without question the smartest businessman on the manufacturer's side of the entire cigar industry. He's honest, he's trustworthy, and his cigars are the most consistent across the board. I I'll definitely agree with that. I haven't had a bad Perdomo. The draw, the construction, the flavor, the taste, just everything about it. Like they always deliver what you think they're well, going to deliver. Well, and and Nick knows me and I am a value cigar smoker. And one of the things that I love about the Perdomo line and this has become a commercial for Perdomo, I'm not sure why. <laughs> but uh, but one of the things I love about the line is, you know, I can go in and get sticks for, you know, in in the upper 5 $6 range and to me it's a good affordable stick to smoke. I do a yeah. lot of smoking while I drive and I tend to smoke more, so I try to cut my, you know, dollar cost average down as much as I can. And his sticks are a great way to do that and have a just an excellent cigar. Yeah, I would put his $4 frescoes up against almost any $8 cigar on the market as far as – now, I can't promise that someone is going to like the way a Perdomo tastes. Tastes is subjective. But if you're just evaluating a cigar, whether it's good or not, you, you're looking at draw, you're looking at burn, and you're looking at your overall combustion. How, how fast or slow does the filler and binder keep up with that wrapper? His stuff just burns and performs Every damn time. As a salesman, I can sell somebody in good conscience a Perdomo, and I can know that two out of the three problems with cigar smoking are gone. It's going to draw and it's going to burn. Now, flavor, maybe you don't like Perdomo flavor, but he's got, I don't know, 18 different skew families, and you can bounce around. They're all different from each other. 
So you certainly could find any smoker could find a home in Perdomo. Definitely. All right. Commercial's over. <laughs> well, yeah, now that we're done talking about Perdomo, why don't we talk about this Aladino Cameroon for a little bit? Well, so, and I'm going to tell you what, this is a good, flavorful stick. I'm what? genuinely enjoying the cigar. So he, uh, Dan went down to, Dan from Riverman Cigar Company, he went down and toured the Aladino farm back in February and nice. spent some time with Husto and everything. And he had brought back just a couple of samples of the Cameroon. And so I got to try this back yeah, when I did he not. got back in February. And Nick hoarded them and didn't, didn't I only share. Had, I only had one. And it was <laughs> it was amazing. And, I, and I've been waiting for it to come out. And then when it finally did come out, I've been smoking these like just crazy. And what I like about it is you get that, that little bit of kind of sweetness. But you get that, that, that Corojo spice mixed in with it. What's I'm get, ironic? I'm getting that on the tip of my tongue as I'm smoking this. You know, I'm getting that spice, that tingle. What's ironic is you and I are both smoking the the robusto. Mr. Jonathan's smoking the Toro. the The size that I like of this cigar, actually, the best is the Lonsdale. You know, I thought I thought for sure that you guys were going to go Lonsdale, and I almost grabbed it. And <laughs> again, time. I didn't know how much time we I would have, and I tend to be a little. We've on the got fast. all the time in the world for you, but that's okay. whatever. So yeah, so. Uh, so I went with the Super Toro, but I'm like, ah, these two guys are geeks. They're going to go with the geek size. I should just surprise them and do the Lonsdale, and then we'll all be the same. I was shocked that you went with the Robusto. Well, which it, is it's what I had. Best size of my yeah, So I think the Robusto, the Robusto is the best representation of this blend because when you make a Robusto, you're gonna, it's a five-inch cigar by uh, 50 ring gauge. So when you make a five-inch cigar, you roll the cigar to five and a half inches. And then the roller, this is before they're passing – the, the wrapper, the rollers intentionally going to break the tips off the very end that are sticking out and work those back at the five inch mark and then again at the three inch mark. So you guys will note it on your Robusto. It starts off with a bang and then it's going to tamper down after about a quarter of an inch once you've smoked through those tips. And at the three inch mark, it's going to kick back up again because you're going to hit another round of tips. So the, in my opinion, the Robusto gives you that, the, the, Highest level of smoking satisfaction right at the beginning, as soon as you light it. Oh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Well, and it's it's got that sweet like it. It's a spice, but I can't put my finger on what it is. But even after I'm done smoking it, it's still it it's it's like kind of enveloped you know my mouth. Are you getting that? A little bit. If you and and oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. No, I was just saying a little bit, and then I just did a retro hail there, and um, and you didn't cough your brains out no, like you but, normally but do. But the, the the spice of the corojo comes through on the retro hail. So. Here, let me do one. Now, what were you going to say, Mr. Jonathan? If you were to take a, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the um, lemonhead candies when you were a kid. Yes. So you you, you got to suck on that thing until you get past that goofy coating and you start getting into the more uh, gelatinous part of the lemonhead. But then you just you roll that through some white pepper, and to me, you're getting that balance of sweet and sour, and then a little bit of a lingering spice that happens after that. You know, here's you know, the, I hate to say here's this. Here's the really sad part. As much as I sit back and laugh at your tasting notes when I'm listening to the Cigar Authority, <laughs> now that I'm actually sitting and smoking mm-hmm. the same cigar as you as we're doing this, it does make yeah, some sense. It does. It does. That's the really messed <clears throat> yeah. up part. Yeah, a lot of people accuse me of I'm just spinning bullshit up on the on the show. Well, and yeah. 
I have I have a case of an overactive imagination. So could I say it's sweet and sour and a little spice? Of course. But everybody says that. Yeah. And it's a two-hour show, for crying out loud. I got still a little bit of time, so I can weave this story of how we're arriving at the flavor. And in some cases, you know, I wouldn't say something is chocolatey. You smoke a Padron 1964 Toro in the Maduro, and it's chocolatey. Well, it isn't just chocolatey. It's you got a dozen donuts, and at the end, you've eaten all the donuts and a little bit of the chocolate from the Boston Cream had fallen off and into the back corner and it's mixed with the jimmies and the powdered sugar. It's that chocolate. It's not just a Hershey bar you bit it, uh, it into. So it's just a different way. It's a different way of looking at the flavor notes. But see, it, but it actually makes sense it, it, now that it I'm doing does. it. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the bizarre thing. As you're saying it, I'm starting to giggle at what you're saying, and then I'm like, oh, crap, it's working. Well, because that's the thing. Most of the time when I listen to the Cigar Authority, I'm typically driving. So, and, and, and when I'm driving, I will smoke when I'm driving, but I tend to smoke cigars. Sometimes I'll smoke a good cigar, but by and large, for the most part, that's when I get a lot of my bundle stick uh, smoking in because for whatever reason, I can't concentrate on it. Maybe I've got the window down so the, the air is hitting that side of the cigar, so I kind of get like that uneven burn or something going sure. on or whatever. And so... I tend to not smoke more expensive cigars when I'm driving. So typically, I'm not smoking the cigars that you guys are talking about on the show as I'm listening to it and because of that reason. When I listen to the Cigar Authority, it's usually at night. I'll I'll put that on and actually go to sleep listening to you guys. And I'll wake up four or five episodes in that it's just been playing all night long because it <laughs> automatically starts the last episode and then the one after that. And, the you know, it, it moves backwards. Oh, really? Distinct possibility, Gator, that I am the man of your dreams. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, you know, Mr. Jonathan, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh Benjamin, add that to my file. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk about you for a little while here. You know what? what? On that note, I have a I have something that I want to use as a bridge here to that. Okay. okay. So, my favorite tasting note um, are often persimmons or Luden's Cough Drops, and the infamous uh, Chiclets and Cantaloupe. What what has been the craziest flavor note that you've ever had on a cigar? Concussion. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I'm saying that to you, and I don't know if concussion tastes the same to everybody else, but you hit the back of your head on something really hard, <laughs> and you go between, and it's, it's instantaneous, you go between metallic... And marshmallow flavor in your mouth because your brain cannot identify if it's tasting, if it should be seeing, if it should be hearing. In that little scrambled egg moment of your brain, concussion has a flavor. And I got that. smoke. It was a, a random sample from a rep. And I said it. And the only reason I even remember that that happened is it became a joke in the shop. My number two, Trevor, reminds me all the time. He'll take a, he'll take a pop on something and go, concussion. And I, I, that's the only reason I remember. Do you have any idea how happy I am? I asked that question. <laughs> that was awesome. So, so anyway, Nick, moving along. Okay. You bought your first cigar from Dave Garofalo, correct? I did. Yeah. Let, let, let's get into that. Let's get into how you decided that you were going to get into cigars. All right. So my grandfather smoked cigars all growing up. And at 10 years old, I wanted to smoke a cigar with him so bad. 
And I knew in my heart of hearts that if I asked him for a cigar, he'd give me one and we'd go smoke it. So I never asked him because I didn't want him to get in trouble with my dad who was very against smoking and still is to this day. So I never asked him. And I get to my 18th birthday. I cannot wait. It's all I thought about on January 30th, 1996, was smoking a cigar on January 31st, my birthday. So my best friend and I pull up to Two Guys Smoke Shop. He's not 18 yet. I'm 18. So I go in by myself. We, and we parked around the corner because there were rumors that if you were seen with somebody, then, then you got to have both be carded. So I walk in. And I walk right up to Dave Garofalo and say, today is my 18th birthday. I need a couple cigars. And he says, congratulations. He walks me around the store. It delivers the two guys smoke shop experience that I hope I deliver to customers every day and gets me up to the register. Now, this is 1996. There's no FDA involvement. You can look at somebody and at this point and just say, okay, this kid looks 18. So he says, that'll be $12.78 or whatever it is. And I look at him and I go, what the fuck? And he goes, what's wrong? Thinking that I, he handed me a cigar that was cracked or something that wasn't celebratory enough. <laughs> and I go, you didn't ask for my ID. And he goes, I fucking believe you. You're 18. <laughs> I go, not for nothing, but this is a big fucking deal to me. You should be asking me for my ID. So this is the first time I'm carded and I can say, fuck you, retailer. Give me my cigars. And he goes, all right, fine. Take the card. And looks it, and then he made a big deal about it to everybody in the lounge, trying to embarrass me, which is impossible. And says, "Hey, everybody, this is Jonathan. Today's his 18th birthday." They all clapped for me. I took a bow. I paid for the cigars, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. So then, that that's when you were 18. So how did you uh, end up working at Two Guys? So I would buy cigars from Dave off and on especially when he moved from that little store across the street in Salem, New Hampshire. He moved across to where we are now at 304 South Broadway in Salem. So I would come over here, and he'd be working the floor sometimes, and I found out that he was a retired disc jockey, and I was an active disc jockey. So we would shoot the shit about how unfair it is that I could walk in with a laptop and have 100 gigs of music at my fingertips, and he was stuck carrying crates of records and didn't have enough to fill a thumb drive period of music. And he still has his entire record collection of everything that he ever played that was popular in the clubs. He has a, a little DJ room in his basement. So we would shoot the shit and he ends up throwing a mixed martial arts fight. And at the same time that he's planning the mixed martial arts fight, I was planning my very first boats and hose party on a boat on the Merrimack River. <laughs> awesome. So since it's a pimp and hoe party, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if anybody that wants a cigar could have a cigar and smoke and be a pimp on the boat? Because it didn't matter to me if the girl wanted to be the pimp and the guy's the hoe. I don't care. So uh, I approached him and said, you know, it would be nice if I could hand out Dos Ombre, the house brand cigar, to everybody on the boat. And he says, all right, so you need, what, 160 cigars? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. So he calls downstairs, have 160 cigars ready for Mr. Jonathan. And he goes, I'm sure you want me to pay for the flyers too, and you'll put my logo on the back. I hadn't even thought of that. So I said, yeah, yeah, of course. And he said, okay, how much is that? And pulled cash out of his pocket. Here you go, kid. Now let's talk about why you're really here. I'm doing a mixed martial arts fight 
It's a 3,000 person arena. And I don't want people to hear the music. I want them to feel the music. Is this something that you think you could do? And I said, hell yeah. Now, inside, I'm shitting my pants because I'm a disc jockey that does weddings for 150, 200 people. And now you're doing this mixed martial arts for three. I don't have I don't have the equipment to fill an arena. <laughs> I've not seen the arena yet. And I'm I'm calling other DJs trying to price out. What, can I rent your equipment for the night? Now I'm going to have mismatched speakers everywhere. So I put together a price for him. I made no money on the event at all. I broke even. But I ended up with all this equipment. I could do another 3,000-person arena if I want. And at the end of the fight, he walked up to hand me my final payment and said, I lost $55,000 on this fight. And I'm thinking, holy shit, it's actually good. I broke even. Oh, shit. Uh, If I made one penny, I'd be tipping you because you're the only vendor. And just so you know, I had over 100 vendors. You're the only vendor that not only delivered, but you went above and beyond. I thank you very much. I will never hire another DJ. You're my guy forever. You need references. You need anything. You you have my number. You're all set. Uh, So I did that mixed martial arts fight. I did one or two more uh, and then got out of that game completely and just kept doing weddings and whatnot. But I just was always his DJ. If he had uh, his anniversary parties early on, I'd do that. And I would hang out with him during the day because I had nothing to do. I'm a disc jockey at night. During the day, I'd come in. I'd buy my cigars. And he'd have samples on his desk. And I was very into helping him pick which blend was better for new private label stuff. And next thing I know, he's offering me a job to manage one of his stores for just for the summer, he said. Just for the summer. I know it's your busy time. I'll work with you for your schedule. You know when you have weddings in advance. Uh, I need someone to get me through the summer. And once I stepped foot in the store and lit my first cigar, I was hooked. I knew I wanted to be in cigar retail and eventually I'm pretty much retired from disc jockeying now. I just do this. You were also there for the beginning of the Cigar Authority. Yeah. So in this whole emailing back and forth and doing the mixed martial arts fight, I was very big into, uh, I always want to learn how to be better at what I'm doing, whether it's cigars, DJing, anything. So I figured instead of having to go out on gigs with other DJs, I could have them over my house, but I needed a reason to have them over. And we DJs get together and mix together and all that from time to time. And you record it and you put a mix out and it's this DJ and this DJ. But I wanted something more structured. So I did a show on uh, Ustream called uh, Webcast Wednesday. And we would put, I'd put a DJ on for an hour and I would do the closing or vice versa. And I would just watch them mix and see what they were doing and learn the new techniques of what was happening in the clubs and take that to my weddings. And he saw the very first episode because I just sent out an email blast to everyone in my AOL account. I didn't even have a website. <laughs> everyone in my AOL account and said, uh, I'm doing this webcast Wednesday. I'd love it if you watch. And he was one of the people that watched at 10 o'clock at night. His bedtime is 830, by the way. So he stayed up Aww. and watched the show and sent me an email the next day and said, how do we do this with cigars? That was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And I said, I have no idea how to do it with cigars, but I'm in. And that was the start of the show. Interesting. Very cool. And then you guys have gone for now over 10 years. Over 10 uh, years, over 500 episodes. Uh, We've never missed a single episode. If we know, you know, we were closed as a company the 4th of July. So we pre-recorded the show for Thursday. 
we put the podcast out and the Facebook Live went out immediately and then scheduled the YouTube video to launch as a premiere on Saturday so that uh, Barry could chat along with everybody live. Very cool. Yeah, I noticed he wasn't on the uh, on the podcast with you guys. It was just uh, the two of you, well, you and Dave, and then runs, Oliver. He runs the he runs the mail order department. So when uh, it just it's t- it's tough to rearrange everybody's nah, schedule yeah. and everybody to match up. And we knew we had Oliver available, so no big deal. Now, are you guys going to be shifting dates coming up? I know you've been talking about it after the whole ten year uh, anniversary. Yeah, mark. honestly, it's probably not going to happen okay. because. It, it's such an asset to have the show on the Saturday from noon to two. Our busiest time on a Saturday is from 10 to noon. And it, do, it slows down a little bit from noon to two. But to be able to get those customers to come in the store and sit down and listen to an interview with the manufacturer, and you can get 30 people at once instead of one by one, uh, it's such an asset for Two Guys Smoke Shot to have the Cigar Authority there. Now, that's, that's only one of our hats. And in the end, uh, it'll be David's say whether or not that works. And we'll, we'll kind of – this was an experiment anyways to see if Thursday was a viable option for uh, viewership. Interesting. Well, and, you know, one of my bucket list things and, – and I have very few bucket list things because I've done a lot of things that I want to do in my life. But uh, I want to go to Cuba, and I want to come up and watch you guys record one of your episodes. I think that would be a blast, and I think Nick's in for that. It would have happened this year. I don't know with COVID how things are shaping up travel-wise for us the rest of this year. but Now, for know. what it's worth, he's scared shitless to go to Cuba. No, there's nothing to be scared of going to Cuba. That's what I'm saying. I just have this. It is. So in, I, I just moved out of Lawrence, Massachusetts. I grew up in Haverhill, Massachusetts, so two rough, rough, rough towns. And you, there's certain times you just don't go out at night, period. Uh, you know, you're walking down the street and, and my girl might say, oh, look, that guy's got a really pl- pretty blue bandana. Oh, and the guy across the street has a pretty red bandana. Why, <laughs> why do they have out? Because it's that kind of neighborhood. Okay. And, you know, you, you, you're kind of looking at people, their pants are sagging. You know, they're a different color than you. And that, especially now there's, there's tensions. You're walking down Cuba, down the street in Cuba. You see exactly the same level of diversity as far as skin color, nationality that you'd see in Lawrence, Massachusetts. It's a little rundown. The only difference is in Lawrence, Massachusetts, you feel a little nervous walking around at night. And in Cuba, you can walk right through the group of people and they'll offer you a sip of the rum that they're drinking on the street because it happened to me. You just never once feel out of place. You feel welcome. You feel safe. It was, it, it was the second best trip I've ever been on. Look at there. Now, I, I, I've just seen in, a lot of episodes in Locked Up Abroad, and I keep, in, and I keep imagining all the international incidents that Gator here is going to cause when we go someplace. Yeah, you, you definitely want to implement the shut the fuck up Friday model. You know, <laughs> go down there and talk about how Donald Trump is, is good or bad. You don't say anything about politics. Yeah. You don't talk about their politics. You don't talk about the U.S. politics. Shut the fuck up. We're not going to end up in a Turkish prison, for the love of God. No, we're going to end up in a Cuban one. <laughs> you go down and you ask about cigars. You talk about cigars. You don't steal anything. You're paying cash. You're all I, set. I think, I think what Nick's trying to convey is he's afraid I'm going to create a Bay of Pigs type incident. It's very possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then when you're down there, I, the other thing that I've heard, and, and I want to dive into this a little bit. So the other thing that I've always heard is that there's more cu- fake Cubans in Cuba than, than elsewhere. It so- would be impossible to have a fake Cuban cigar in Cuba 
because they don't import tobacco. They grow tobacco. Well, okay. So, so, so I guess they import cigars. You can't buy a Nicaraguan cigar in Cuba. So I guess maybe what I sh- I should rephrase that and say not so much a fake Cuban cigar, but maybe a um, um, fake version of a brand name Cuban cigar. A misbanded cigar. How about that? All right. So let me let me give you a, a quick and I'll tr- I'll make it a brief story. So we're there. I'm there as an invited guest of Habanos as the cigar authority with David, and we're interviewing everybody and. He had already gone down and written what he wrote. If you want a, an interesting bathroom read, it's about eight pages long called Dave's Trip to Cuba. It'll blow your mind. Uh, you can Google that. It'll come right up. So I can't, as a, as a journalist, I can't go there and write what Dave wrote. So I have to go in and write something else because I'm, I'm coming back and, and writing something about my trip. So I wrote uh, a little bit about how an American could go about navigating just about everything from... Uh, booking your flights to how to make change, how to where, where and when to exchange your money, if at all, uh, what denomination bills to have. I, I, go, I go soup to nuts, but I'm also there because I'm curious as a cigar geek. So we're on the tour of the Partagas factory. I'm sorry, H. Upman factory. And the tour guide, I annoyed the shit out of her. <laughs> I asked so many questions that she's literally rolling her eyes at me at, at some point. So we go by the rollers and she says, okay, this row is rolling Monte Cristo and this row is rolling Bolivar and this row is rolling Romeo and Julieta. And I look over and the guy that she says is rolling Bolivar, it, uh, Trinidad, I'm sorry, Trinidad, it has the little pigtail, which would be indicative of a Trinidad cigar, Cuban, right? Uh-huh. So, but the difference between Trinidad and Monte Cristo in color is quite different. You're going to have a darker wrapper on the Trinidad than Monte Cristo. So I'm paying attention to what she's saying and trying to keep the rows straight. And we walk by the room where they store the bales of tobacco for the filler. And in that room, they have this little bin area for wrappers. And if memory serves, it's five different shades of wrapper. So the guy from Monte Cristo comes up and he grabs a stack of first priming, a stack of second priming, a stack of third priming. And he goes over and he gets a light-colored wrapper because he's rolling Monte Cristo. He goes and sits down and starts making more cigars. The guy from Trinidad gets up, he goes over and he grabs the exact same tobacco that Monte Cristo grabbed, stack, 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 he goes over and he gets a slightly darker shade. Then the guy from Bolivar comes over and he gets exactly the same stack, one, two, three, and he goes and gets the darkest wrapper and they go sit down. And so I say to the lady, uh, excuse me, how does the Monte Cristo guy know which tobacco here is Monte Cristo tobacco? And the Bolivar guy know which one is Bolivar. And this is when she rolled her eyes at me for the, I don't know, fifth time. She said, all same. We continue tour. And I said, excuse, excuse me. Uh, one more question, please. Uh, ever the, the journalist, right? Follow up. Did you just say they're all the same as in all the same? And she said, all same. And just, she just shut up and started the tour back up again. So fast forward, we end up in the banding department. And you see at each station, they're, they're rolling similar color cigars. So the girl that's putting bands on Monte Cristo next to her has Monte Cristo boxes and bands. She has Romeo and Julieta boxes and bands. And she has eight common boxes and bands. And I watched her take the band off of a Monte Cristo that she just put on. She took it out of the box, took the band off, 
put that in another tray, finished putting that box together, nailed it shut, set it aside, and then grabbed the cigars that just had a cigar from the other company, in quotes, and put those in another box. I watched it with my own eyes. To Cuba, a cigar is a cigar. So whether you're buying them on the street, whether you're buying them in the factory, in fact, I believe if you buy them on the street, there's a free market going on there. So you're going to have better aged tobacco and you're going to have better made cigars because if you're buying from Juan and his cigars don't draw well and you find out Pedro's draw well, you're buying them from Pedro. So they both have to, they have to compete with each other. Interesting. So you're contending then that, and, and saying that basically those guys that are worried about, let's say counterfeit Cohibas, just be happy. It's a, it's a cigar. And if it draws well and it tastes fine, then what's it matter? Yeah. And, and speaking of taste, I mean, I, I was there when I tell you I was invite an invited guest of Habanos, I sat at table three at our table was the head of the Cuban FBI. <laughs> that's, that's the level that they took the invitation that that was very serious. I mean, I'm not a dignitary. I don't, I'm not a, a head of state though. There were some people there, but you know, I don't write for cigar aficionado magazine. So they, if, if my cigar on my plate had a watermark on the wrapper, normally I wouldn't care. I would just smoke it. But the body guy for the table sees the watermark on the wrapper, snaps his fingers and has the guy bring over another cigar to swap it out. They gave me the best that they could possibly give me. And most of them, I just slid the band off and slid it on something that I brought because once you got halfway through, they were unsmokable. Wow. Mineral, clay, ammonia, horrible. Huh. The, constru- the construction was decent. The burn was decent. And for most of them, the draw was okay. But flavor-wise, I would take any Dos Ombre over those Cuban cigars. You know, I haven't had that many Cubans. I've had, I think, maybe two in my life. And uh, they've been fairly one-note. You know, they haven't – I wouldn't say they were bad, but they were fairly one-note. No no real complexity. But Think about – Think about that as far as you go to cigars that we can get our hands on. Opus yeah. X, the yeah. Dominican Euro. I mean, people want Opus X because you can't have it. Not because it's the greatest cigar on, in the world. It's exactly. a Dominican Puro. It's it's okay. And you sit on them for a few years. They become smokable and they're okay. But uh, I'm not smoking Opus X every day. Interesting. Yep. Well, speaking of cigars... We're sitting here doing the uh, Aladino Cameroon. I'm a little past the halfway point. I think Nick is as well. I'm about there. Yeah. What so do what do you? Because I, I jumped over your cold draw. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a bigger cigar, so it works out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what are you? What? I'm still. I'm. I'm just covered up with that. That spice. That's. It's like coated the inside of my mouth. Yeah. Like yeah. even it, when it, I take a break from it, I'm. It's still that taste is there. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're at the halfway mark, you could be hitting tips again. So you that could be, be. It, it could be it could be kicked back up. Yeah, I think it has. Are you are you experiencing that as well, Nick? Similar. Yeah, I mean the little it, the sweetness is still there for me with the uh, with the wrapper. I'm gonna um, do another uh, retro. Okay. So what are you what are you uh, getting on your Toro there, Mr. Jonathan? Um, I can This one I can put Ooh. through my nose a little bit. So through the nose, you get a a much more of a full flavored, full spice. I mean, it's, it's virtually, I'm right on the verge of coughing. It's, it's so spicy through the nose on the retrohale, uh, just regular on the palate, uh, still a balance of that 
sweetness coming off the wrapper. And I'm still picking up a little bit of the sour note, which I like about this. And it's more of a white pepper just on the palate, whereas I put it through the nose and it becomes uh, black pepper and cayenne pepper mixed and snorted. I'm getting with the with the retro hail. I'm almost getting like an allspice kind of a kind of a flavor, like a baking spice. I'm there with you. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Look at that. My God. So. Uh, so the interesting thing where we talked about flavors. Yeah. The the thing that I've been studying as I go to make flavors, or as one of the panelists on the Cigar Authority says it, uh, there is something to the power of suggestion. So on your tongue, you have all the flavor receptors and when you, whether you're retrohaling the actual smoke or you're just retrohaling what's left in your mouth after, you're hitting those olfactory senses and your brain doesn't know how to get past the smoke. And then you say, this tastes like I'm tasting unsalted almond. And immediately your brain eliminates all of the other flavors and isolates the almonds. And that happens to everybody. It's the, it's the part of it is the power of suggestion. If you're smoking at the same time, you can influence what someone else is tasting. If you were the first person to think of it. Interesting. Very cool. Now, um, I know that you do, you and the rest of the cigar authority, you guys do tasting notes and everything for the cigar journal, correct? Um, do you, um, keep any sort of journals or books or logs or, or anything of your own tasting just for your own knowledge? When you say logs, as far as saving my paperwork afterward? Well, meaning like, um, let's say you're sitting around just casually smoking a cigar on your deck or something like that. And you, uh, maybe haven't had that cigar before. He wants to know if you keep a locked diary under your pillow. Well, no, we've had guests before where they keep journals, where they paste the band in and they keep their flavor notes and everything just for their own reference to be able to go back and, and log that. I just didn't know if that was something you did. No, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not one to, to write it down. I'm a sort of in the moment on the fly kind of guy yeah. when it comes to smoking a cigar. If I've smoked it enough times, I begin to remember what I'm expecting out of it. But cigars can change from box to box, you know, crop to crop, year after year, things are going to change subtly. And a lot of smokers will blame it on themselves and say, oh, my palate changed. I used to really enjoy smoking the Garofalo Connecticut and my my palate changed. And now I, I, I need to move on to the sun grown because I need a little more flavor. Well, Garofalo is a terrible example because Perdomo makes that. But, you know, you go you go with a brand and if they're not vertically integrated, they're sourcing tobacco from somewhere. They may not be able to get the exact crop. Interesting. Now, I'm sitting here um, enjoying some coffee. And one of the things that I noticed in the Toscano studio where you're set up there, Mr. Jonathan, is you have your own pot of coffee sitting there with you in the studio. And I told Nick, I think I'm going to have to put that into my new contract when our uh, first year is up, <laughs> that he has to supply me with coffee. What are, what are you drinking there? Uh, I'm drinking some uh, Pete's coffee. Uh, this is an air pot. It just it holds the temperature uh, all day long to within 10 degrees. It's glass lined on the inside. There's air pockets in there. It's a high end unit. Uh, I invented this thing called coffee shots. <laughs> I've uh, heard of this on the show, but okay. Yeah. So you 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 go to you go to McDonald's and you get a a cup of coffee. And the first sip, I drink my coffee black, so there's no cream in it to cool it down. So you get the first sip is always too hot. 
by the time you get to the last sip, it's always too cold. And the best part of the coffee is in the middle when it hits between 170 and 160. So I brew my coffee and I get it to 160. Um, sorry, I start off at 170. By the end of the day, it's down to 160. And I drink it one shot at a time so that I'm always drinking middles. I only drink middles. And that's that's my invention, coffee shop. Mr. Jonathan and I were separated at birth. I, I, <laughs> you're my you're my new hero. <laughs> this, is, this is spooky. Uh, this is spooky. I'll be honest. You gotta, oh. you gotta have fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not much of a coffee drinker. I, I Which have, is one of the reasons I say Nick is not to be trusted, but anyway. Well, no, but I've had a few people that are coffee connoisseurs point out to me, though, recently that it's maybe it's a situation where the only kind of coffee I've ever tried has maybe not been great coffee and maybe Could I just, and just need to try some good stuff. Do you like coffee ice cream? Um, yeah, I like coffee flavoring, like coffee ice cream, like tiramisu. I like tiramisu. It's got the coffee infused in the in the lady fingers and everything. And so I just I like the smell of coffee. I like the 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 flavoring of coffee, but the actual beverage of coffee, I've never been a fan of. So you may want to try cold brew coffee. And maybe your problem with coffee is that when you brew it, the hot water extracts the acidity out of the bean and into the water, pulls it in. So you get the coffee flavor, you get some sugars, and you also get the acidity. When you cold brew it, you're not at a temperature that's high enough to extract the acidity out of the bean. It stays in the bean and you extract just the sugars. So you get a much sweeter, uh, concentrated coffee flavor without the acidity. It doesn't upset your stomach. Uh, the one thing is the one drawback is the caffeine virtually doubles. Oh, jeez. I'm all in. When you, when you brew it, you kill the heat kills the caffeine off. So uh, if you heat the cold brew, you're okay. You know, bring it up to 200 degrees or whatever, and you'll kill up most of the caffeine that way. Uh, but yeah, that may, you may want to try cold brew. I, I might give that a try. There you go. I'm, I'm, we can make that happen. I'm a pretty religious iced tea drinker, so I'll... Uh, so you're, you're more of a cold drinker. I you, am. Like yeah, like I'm not a cold. hot tea guy. I, I do the cold... The cold, uh, cold tea, iced tea, and everything. So, I yeah, think you I just... should tell Mister Jonathan about your new favorite adult beverage. Oh my gosh, these little um, thing, they, it's the uh, high noon, the sun sips, these uh, little vodka and soda flavored things. He he likes the pineapple. I do because hey, you like what you like. Hey, I mean, well, it, it's it's nice because it's been fairly hot and humid here in the St. Louis area, and so, when isn't it? Well, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're sitting out on the deck and it might be 91 degrees out, but it feels like it's 100. And you don't want a beer just is so heavy, but you get this kind of vodka and soda thing and it's 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 light and and refreshing. It's fun to watch him because he likes to put an umbrella in it and then put his pinky out. It's, oh, stop. It's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> it's delightful. Delightful. That is awesome. Anyway. You, you go, uh, uh, cream and sugar in your tea or you just drink it with lemon i actually take my iced tea just straight just unsweet with uh sometimes with lemon sometimes just just straight without anything one of my favorite (laughs) things to do at night is to brew up a pot of hot tea and then actually put an orange slice and a a little bit of sugar orange slice and some cream in it what else do you put in your tea so good pot yeah i was gonna say 
he'll seep marijuana into his tea so that he can get to sleep. I'm not going to lie. I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> you should go back and find out the story about his dog. Yeah, I got, I got, my dog ate my tea bag and got high as a kite. Oh, poor dog. <laughs> oh, it, no, we, we called the vet. And I, I know I've told the story before, so I apologize to the, to the listeners, but I got to say it. So we called the vet and we thought he'd had a stroke. And she goes, oh, we tell her the symptoms. And she goes, oh, any chance he got in any marijuana? And I'm like, no. And it's legal here, but I still don't want to admit it. And I said, no, no. And she goes, well, maybe maybe one of the kids in the neighborhood threw down a joint and he picked it up and ate it. She goes, he's got marijuana toxicity. I'm like, son of a bitch, I've killed my dog. And Kristen, my ex-wife, is just staring at me because it's actually her dog. And then the vet says, oh, no, he'll sleep it off. He's going to be fine. And then we got a good laugh out of it. And that dog was chill AF the whole night. It was the greatest thing ever. Not Arturo. So you, not Arturo you with your ex-wife? What, it, yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> we, 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 the interviewer and me wants to dive right into that. We, <laughs> we, feel we, free. We feel get free. along much better now than when we were married. It's the strangest so thing. You got divorced, but you didn't separate. Not really. Yeah. He was living in the basement before the divorce, and he's living in the basement <laughs> after the divorce. It's a hell, whole, it's a whole hell, thing. We're actually sitting on his ex-wife's deck right now. Most <laughs> most people get divorced and they move into their parents' basement. Yeah. You, you're in your wife's basement. I like this. This but could be a new thing. My folks' this basement is isn't finished. His, his, his <laughs> parents' basement is riddled with brown recluse and uh, black widow spiders. Exactly, so yeah. He, uh, I grew up on a farm. Tends, so tends we, avoid You know, it's funny. We used to catch them. And we would keep like brown recluses or black widows in baby food jars. And a brown recluse spider will live up to three months with no water, no air, nothing enclosed in a jar. It's they're they're an amazing little creature and frightening as hell. Oh yeah. I I see a spider in my uh in my house or my apartment and uh, I'm ready to burn it down. <laughs> exactly. Well you know and then <laughs> set fire to the ashes afterwards. <laughs> you know one of the funny things is we actually have a house spider here. And it's got like a web up in the corner. I'll show it to Nick when we get done. No. But it's a friendly spider. It's not a brown recluse. It's not a black widow. It's not poisonous. And it kills a lot of the bugs that come into the house. So we, we have a symbiotic relationship with this little spider. And it's there. It I don't know if it's the same spider or if it's like its descendant, but it, it's been ongoing now for three, four years. All right, then. It keeps to itself. We leave it alone, you know. It All right, Gator. It does about you. We're going to go back to interviewing me now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously, sitting there at the Cigar Authority and and being involved in two guys, you know, which is one of, if not the lar- one of the largest retailers in the country, if not you know the world. You, uh, you, you obviously have a very interesting perspective on the industry. Uh, where you're at. So what are your thoughts as to some of the challenges of the industry? Obviously, FDA is the obvious one. But going going forward, what do you think are some of the challenges that the industry has to deal with? And how do you think the industry is going to look five years from now? The The toughest thing about the cigar industry is the cigar industry. It's not the FDA. It's us doing it to ourselves with certain manufacturers the bigger ones, pushing for uh, FDA regulations, going in behind the scenes with their own lobbyists and greasing the, the, the wrong palms and pushing things in the wrong direction for the premium cigar industry because they're butthurt that 
non-premium cigars can't get the same exemption as premium cigars. Non-premium cigars have marketing that goes after children. Non-premium cigars have flavorings that have been used and are made intentionally to be able to be dissected and stuffed with marijuana so that Gator can uh, smoke it instead of drinking it and get his dog out. Uh, so there's there's a lot of problems with the non-premium cigar side where there's billions of units. And when they have to pay per unit coming in to the U.S., these user fees and S-chip taxes and all that, they get upset because it's it's millions and millions of dollars in revenue lost to their bottom line. Now, if they can get that under control and at the same time hurt their competition, why wouldn't they do that? That's what Altria did when they pushed cigarettes through FDA. When they did that, Marlboro Cigarettes was the number one cigarette brand. It is still to this day. So what they did worked. And the, the this is um, some art of war, Sin Tzu type shit going on. So it's the infighting. And then beyond that, beyond the bigger companies that have a small footprint in the premium side, you have the medium-sized companies where nobody in the cigar industry has a new idea. Every idea in the cigar industry gets ripped off by everybody else with very few exceptions and you, you have to be willing to be dare I say an asshole about it. You know, someone like Lito Gomez who won't let anybody come out with a chisel shaped cigar because he hasn't patented uh, Arturo Fuente sues or sent started to sue La Florida Minicana because their airbender had those two swords crossed. So it looked like an X and it was too closely resembling Opus X for their liking. All this infighting back and forth where people can't come up with their own stuff and then they steal other people's stuff and there's everybody's everybody's getting butt hurt over some small shit when we should all be focused on being together and being united and being presenting that united front to the FDA and to Mr. Trump, the president. Oh, that's, that's actually a really valid point. It's a it's a different take than I've heard, and I like it. Yeah, well, and, and, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm sitting here and I'm processing this. And so one of the things that we have talked about on our show there's a there's a cigar shop uh, out in Palo Alto, California, Max Smoke Shop, and the city of Palo Alto passed a flavor ban, and the flavor ban was originally it it was originally proposed as a way to stop vape you know, be, uh, being sold in Palo Alto. And, but then it, it also encompassed um, flavored tobacco. And where that impacted Max was, yeah, they, they could, they, they flat out said, you know, we've only been selling vape for about five years. We'll get rid of it tomorrow. We don't make enough on it to, to you know, fight this. But where it impacted them was the pipe tobacco. And right. pipe tobacco and then obviously infused cigars, you know, acid and whatever else, the, the flavored stuff. And when this passed, this this shop's been around for 85 years. And now they're looking at the very real possibility of having to shut down because if they can't sell pipe tobacco and infuse premium cigars, then they say they're not going to be able to make it. And the, the whole thing about pipe tobacco and pipe tobacco got screwed over because of big tobacco making their roll your own cigarette tobacco and beating the tax because there was no tax on pipe tobacco so they just put the word pipe 
on the front of the package. And then when the government found out, they said, okay, all tobacco's taxed now. Yeah. And it was all because of tax evasion instead of just, instead of people doing the right thing and saying, okay, this is pipe tobacco. Where's the pipe smoker going to go? You know, a guy that's smoking acid walks into my store and I can't carry acid anymore. Yeah. I can bring him over to a mild cigar. I can get him something that maybe is a little sweet tip to help bridge the gap. I can move that customer around the store. A pipe guy? Yeah. He's 85 years old. He could die tomorrow. This is the one thing that makes him happy. So let's, let's, let's make that go away because we believe that flavored tobacco is going after children. It's not. You got to call a spade a spade here. It's big tobacco that's trying to hook minors and keep them hooked for their, their entire life. Well, and, but, but my point, though, is it seems like there are area or aspects of the premium cigar industry, maybe various organizations and groups, that they don't want to get involved in that fight. And I know everybody has their own interests, but it, it kind of is one of those things where I look at it and I say, which is the, this is the first domino to fall. It's easiest to, at this point to go after the flavored stuff and to say the flavored stuff needs to go away. But then where does that stop? Does that then stop, you know, w- with the flavored stuff? Or do we now get into, oh, you know, these guys are saying they're getting flavors of sweetness and, and uh, uh, spice off this Aladino Cameroon. Maybe we need to go after that now, too, to where eventually, wh- where does it all end? Yeah, well, it's part of the reason why I'm, I'm a, a bit of a doomsday prepper when it comes to cigars. I'm stockpiling what I like. Uh, <laughs> especially, I mean, the, the blends could change next year. You never know yeah. with rainfalls and crops being what they are. Um, as far as people getting together, we have an organization here in New Hampshire. Uh, most cigar shops would view a cigar shop five miles away from them as their competition. And I view the cigar shop five miles down the road for me as my friend. We're all part of this group together, the Cigar Association of New Hampshire. We put on a golf tournament every year. It sells out every year. The manufacturers get involved and they're on board. And we use this tournament to fund the lobbyists to keep the an eye on the cigar situation in the state of New Hampshire. And through this lobbying effort, uh, Dave Garofalo, in fact, was able to get the wording written to separate premium cigars from OTP, other tobacco products. So you have cigarettes, vape, pipe tobacco, non-premium cigars, all in the same group. Those are taxed in New Hampshire, but premium cigars are not. And this is because of a lesson he learned in Massachusetts when Massachusetts was going to put their first tax in years ago. And not only were they going to tax the cigars, but they were going to put a floor tax on it. And at the end, the floor tax was going to cost him $100,000. So imagine you're a young man in business and the motto of the state, is make it in Massachusetts. And you're a smart businessman. So instead of buying a yacht, you take your money and you invest it in your business into inventory so that you can grow your business and expand out to three stores. And then the state says, congratulations, you have the most inventory of everyone. You owe us the most tax dollars as of this date. Wow. <laughs> he was printed above the fr- on the front page of the Boston Globe, which to get that kind of press, you, you, you normally would have to kill someone. Or, or be a, a priest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it says uh, – Dave Garofalo, Two Guys Smoke Shop, is going to leave the state of Massachusetts if the tax goes into place. And he went and pleaded with all of his competitors 
Let's all get together. Let's fight this. And they all threw him out of the shop. And he's like, can you, you can hate me later. Just let's get together and fight. And they wouldn't. And he went and fought alone and he lost and he, his foot was in his mouth. He had to close the shops and he moved over to New Hampshire. And as the cigar shops opened in New Hampshire, they all get encouraged to join the CANH and most of them have. And together, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. We're able to fight the legislation to keep taxes out of the state. You know, it's interesting. I know we've talked with, um, we were talking earlier about Dan Ponder over at Riverman Cigar Company. He's in Missouri, and I know that he has actually talked about something similar for the Missouri area and and doing something out that way because, you know, Missouri, it, it's a fairly conservative state for the most part, but there are areas, and specifically the St. Louis area, that, that definitely leans much more liberal, and they look at it and say, look, maybe we don't have to fight as much on the, the statewide front, but it wouldn't hurt for, at the very least, maybe the local shops in the St. Louis area to team up and do a little bit more efforts together and, and everything. So, it's And I know a- he's he's worked towards that. And, you know, there, there are always challenges, like you said, with the various shops. And some see them as competitors. Some see them as friends. It's, you know, it, it's it's hard to pull everybody together on the same page. That's why people, consumers, need to join the CRA, Cigar Rights of America. Uh, you can go to cigarrights.org. You can sign up. I think it's $35 a year. Mine's just on automatic payment on my credit card. I pay every year. And you get a couple of cigars typically out of the deal. And even if you don't, so what? You become another vote that's counted, just like the NRA. You know, the, the government, no matter how liberal it leans, the NRA is such a large voting community that where our gun rights are never as threatened as they could be because we have all these votes that matter. CRA is the same idea. The the masses have to get together and join so that we can go to the government and say, listen, we have 10 million members here and every single one of them is voting. Would you like them to vote for you or against you? Because your next vote on cigars is going to matter because right now it's not on the radar. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting. So switching gears, kind of going back to your time on the Cigar Authority, a question just dawned on me. So what's the coolest thing you've encountered in 10 years of doing that show? I have to say, and it's because of how much it changed my life. I got to interview Nikolai Volkov, the professional wrestler. And professional wrestling being what it is, they're on stage. We all know, you know, in quotes, you say it's fake wrestling, whatever. But that dude is such an interesting guy. At 68 years old when we interviewed him, he was as fit as a fiddle, still wrestling five days a week. He was on tour. I mean, granted, he wasn't doing the WWE thing. He was doing smaller stuff, but still a big name and a big draw. And as we interviewed him on the show, and I, I, at that point, I was really just the producer. I didn't have much input on the interviews. But in talking to him after the show, he told me, I just, I just was so blown away by how, what, what shape he was in. And he said it all has to do with diet, and obviously he gets his exercise. But he had this soup recipe that is this healing broth that he makes, and I'm into that kind of stuff. So he tells me the ingredients, and if you're curious about the soup, you can type in uh, Mr. Jonathan Nikolai Volkov's soup, 
and it'll pop up. Uh, there's an article with the recipe on the cigarauthority.com. But the story he tells of the soup is that his sister's dog was riddled with tumors and they were going to put the dog down. And he says to her, I got this soup and I use it anytime I get sick. Can I just have the dog for a little while? And he feeds the soup to the dog. And I don't know if it's three months or six months. It was over 10 years ago I interviewed him. The dog's tumors shrink and the dog gets better and lives for another five years. And so he's, he told me what was in the soup. And the next time I got sick, I said, you know what? Fuck it. And I made the soup. And I'll tell you, within 48 hours, granted, it's a common cold, but that normally takes about five days to get through. Yeah. Within 48 hours, I didn't have so much as a sniffle. Wow. It was the most, it was the most unbelievable thing. And without question that having the opportunity to interview Nikolai Volkov quite literally changed my life because of that soup. All right. Well, now we have, I've got to Google that as soon as I get my new phone. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. His phone crept out and he's been MIA, which is part of my frustration earlier today, (laughs) trying to get in touch with him so he could get everything set up so we could sit down and record with you right at on, on time. But that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, my so. phone died uh, Friday night uh, before the 4th of July. And uh, I, I, I've actually gone to stores and they're all doing goofy hours. And one, you had to call them to do curbside. Well, the problem is I can't call them because my phone doesn't work. So I literally went up and banged on the door and they all hid from me. I, 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 I guess I, they thought I was like patient zero of the COVID crisis and they were not about to answer the door. <laughs> People just need to relax about this. Amen. I know. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Well, and I, I've heard you guys and talk smoke about. A cigar. I've heard about you know some of the provisions that you guys did during the COVID time. You know where you're running stuff to people's cars and and uh, leaving the credit cards and the bags and everything. And I mean, so has this from a from a retail perspective? Do you, has this been one of the bigger challenges you've seen at your time at Two Guys? Oh, yeah. This was a level of brutal. It, it, it's undescribable. I mean, we, especially here in the, in the Salem store, we do a lot of volume. We sell a lot of boxes of cigars, and we do it with the cigars in front of people. You know, you're talking about the new Aladino Connecticut or the new Aladino Cameroon, and you have a cigar to show them. You're out at the end of the parking lot and it's sleeting and you, the guy's like, I don't remember what I smoke and I don't have my key tag. So you're going to have to take my license and my credit card and go look me up and then come back and talk. It just, it was, every transaction was 30 times longer than it normally would be. Hmm. Uh, the one good thing that came out of it is, you know, obviously I sell cigars for a living. So part of introducing somebody to a new cigar would be to pitch that cigar to them. Well, my pitch during COVID got so good because I got sick of running back and forth. So I learned how to truncate my stories and kind of lubricate it so that I could get the guy to try the new cigar. Cause I got these cigars. I got to sell them. We're running out of the, the legacy brands and those companies aren't shipping and I got, I got to sell these cigars. So that boosted my ability to be able to convey a message about a cigar quickly. And now the cigars in front of people, everybody's smoking the uh, Aladino, Aladino Cameroon. I'll tell you that right now. Just like we are today. Yeah, Correct. I'm down to the nub, man. I am out of cigar. It is. And this has been a great smoke. 
Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed this. Like you said, we got the the sweetness, the spice, and and everything the flavors. Nice. I mean, it was it was it's a good stick. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I the would. one thing you'll notice you're not getting is the the heart palpitations. It's not nicotine laden, yes. but it is full of flavor, which is a credit to that Corojo filler. Definitely, absolutely, well, and. And locally, these—I mean, we can source these at uh, Riverman here in St. Louis. And, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of shops around the country are carrying these. Are they more of a limited edition, or are they out and about? I'm pretty. These are not super like around. I mean, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I know two guys carries them. Yeah, they they are available to purchase, but they they ran through their production. They they anticipated a little light. And I think, honestly, part of this is COVID. So with certain manufacturers being shut down, the folks at Aladino, being that they're vertically integrated, they they have a little bit more control. They, they, they grow the tobacco. They ferment the tobacco. So as long as they had enough staff to be able to keep the tobacco from rotting in the Polones, they are sitting on their own crops. They, you know, they control their own destiny, much like Perdomo. You got somebody like uh, Nick Melillo or maybe a Skip Martin, I would expect companies that are in that smaller size, less than a million cigars, I, I just see them struggling a little bit, being able to, once they run through what they had rolled, being able to make more cigars. I'm nervous. I'm nervous for those, the mid to small size companies. I would agree with that. And I think it's, it's you're going to, I think it's, kind of uh naive to think that we're not going to see some sort of a product slowdown now i know in terms of aladino correct me if i'm wrong i've heard that um in terms of their shipping at least for a while i don't know if it's still the case they were having to ship in uh large containers so they had to get enough orders racked up so they could fill one of the large shipping containers they couldn't just do the the quick shipping out of yeah, that. and I, I'm one of those people who says if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. Okay. Uh, I think that, that was a, <laughs> a, a fun and interesting way of being able to chalk up some extra orders. Uh, maybe they did have room on the container, but that container was leaving when it was leaving uh, because you, you're not – like Nick Perdomo says, you never say no to somebody when they're trying to give you money. You take the money. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Now, speaking of that – you, you mentioned earlier about the challenges with COVID there at the store. Did you see a big uptick? Um, you know, obviously you have your online component there for ordering. Did you see a large uptick in that um, during the COVID crisis? Huge, huge. Mail order bailed us out. Our mail order department bailed, bailed the whole company out for that first month of the quarter. Yeah, it was uh, big. It's then it's still it's still rocking because there's still states that are shut down. There's still you know the bigger the bigger companies. I don't think anticipated the level of growth, and we were able to just pull staff from the store that wasn't busy and put them in to pack boxes. It just we had the we had the staff built in, so we were able to handle it. Well, and I think what you said there is a good point because a lot of cigar smokers actually had more time to sit and relax and smoke a cigar during this with all of the shutdown and everything that was going on. And I could see how the, the demand would increase because of that. Well, and, and there's that. And then there's also, I feel fortunate that, you know, one of the things, and Dave, Dave will never talk about this, but I can talk about it. When we found out that the store was going to be shut down and we didn't know if we were going to be able to do curbside and 
that meant it was going to be at least 30 days of being closed. And they were talking about the possibility of a fifth week. That part was up in the air. And the first thing out of his mouth was, how do we make sure that everybody gets paid? And because he runs his business the way he does, if we shut down, he was going to be able to make sure everybody got paid, which was unbelievable. And then when we pushed for the curbside, again, going back to the CANH, being able to have a lobbyist, somebody that has the ear of the governor and say, you know, the stores are going to do this. They'd like to do this curbside pickup. It's no different than the restaurants that you're allowing to do that. Uh, being able to have that interaction with a governor was huge. Yeah. So that conversation literally saved all of the cigar stores. In fact, all retail stores in the state of New Hampshire did not have to shut down because of the cigar business. Now, have you seen um, an uptick in the uh, people coming into the brick and mortars uh, since you've been able to reopen? Like Customer count rebounded. Okay. It's uh, it, it's it's back to where it was, if not if not a little bit better. You know, we're not uh, completely out of the woods yet. Uh, you you can't take that big of a hit in a quarter and and not uh, not take a little while to come out of it. But uh, we're going to be. It looks like we're going to be okay. Well, yeah, I, one of the concerns that I know some of the retailers I've spoken with have taught, have expressed is that maybe some folks that were going into brick-and-mortar shops prior uh, that started using the online guys during the COVID time maybe aren't going to come back to the brick-and-mortars. But on the flip side, I've, I've shared this story before. Dan um, was telling me that there was Over a guy... Over yeah. He was telling me that there was a guy that was... That, was always buying online uh, even before COVID. And then during COVID, he's driving by Dan's shop. He sees the sign that says cigars. And so he started buying from Riverman during that period of time and, and had expressed that the reason he wanted to buy from Riverman is because he wanted to support the brick and mortar because it was so Good. important and everything. And so now he's converted an online guy to a brick and mortar guy. And I just didn't know if the fear that the brick and mortar guys jumping to the online side is actually playing out, or if you think maybe it's, it's actually the opposite or just staying level. I think to a certain degree, all the politicians pushing to support local brick and mortar was a big help and it kept that on, on people's minds, but then it's up to your brick and mortar store to step up and be clean and deliver the level of customer service that the customer expects and maybe even a little bit more than that. You know, I, I know what happens to me weekly where a guy will call up and say, I'm five minutes away. I need a box of Padron 4000 Maduro. First of all, do you have it? And second of all, I'm going to be five minutes after you close. Can you, can you hold it for me? And the answer is, of course, always yes. And both that I have it, thank God. And then, yeah, of course, I'll stay open five minutes longer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you get your customers accustomed to being treated the way that they want. And I believe that they continue to support you and come back. Well, and that's something I've heard about your shop is that, you know, you guys, it's not one of these kind of shops where, oh, there's the walk-in, go in and get what you want. I mean, you guys walk the customers around the shop, correct? Yeah. And there's, listen, there's some people that want to do it themselves. They want to be left alone and you let you leave that guy alone. That's what he wants. That's the experience he's looking for. But there's people that have questions and they're nervous to ask. And we all, you know, and we talk about the different ways because the guy that's nervous to ask the question may not come back because he stayed nervous. So how do you break the ice? How do you sort of break them down a little bit and get them comfortable having the conversation with you 
without him feeling like a complete noob. And you just, you know, you kind of be gentle with him and make a couple of jokes, maybe talk about his shoes. And next thing you know, you guys are fast friends and you're able to talk cigars and he doesn't feel like an idiot. I know I actually jumped in and helped out last year. Uh, we were out at the Weston uh, Tobacco Festival in uh, Weston, Missouri. And there was a group that came in. Now, it didn't hurt that they were a, a group of young ladies. I was going to say. Yeah, they, they came in um, for a bachelorette party. And none of them knew anything about cigars. The whole staff was covered up because, I mean, the place was just hopping that day. And so I ended up, you know, kind of helping them and, you know, t- talking to them about some of the acids and the Tabac Especial and, you know, some of the some of the kind of what I would consider a starter cigar. And, you know, they ended up making several purchases there for their bachelorette party. And it was one of those things where it I could see the enjoyment of being able to help somebody when they're coming in and they're nervous and they don't know what they're looking for. And to be able to direct them, you know, to something that you think is going to be just right for them and what they're looking for. Yeah, that's great. There was a, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a uh, lady by the name, her website was the lovely lady of the stick. Does that ring a bell? No, it's not. That does not. No, I cannot for the life of me remember her name. I, and I, I see her on social media from time to time. Anyways. So she would, she would write this little blog about her tasting notes on cigars. And she came into the Nashua store and one of the guys there said to her, uh, are you buying cigars for your husband? And she got so pissed off. Oh, no. She sent Dave an email just absolutely eviscerating him in the email. And uh, Christine Morgan's her name. Christine. This is why I love having a producer because he just started scrambling and Googling. And I watched him pass the note. That was impressive. Yeah, he's He's just very good. Christine Morgan. That's right. So anyways, um, and so Dave read the email on the Cigar Authority, and we interviewed her and turned that negative experience into a positive one and also was able to teach the employee, listen, not there's, there's women that smoke cigars too, so that's not perhaps the question that you want to ask, assuming that they're buying them for their husband. Are you buying, making a purchase for yourself or are you buying a gift for somebody you know, include the, the, that person into the purchase, just like you would do a man. You may not assume the guy's asking, mispronouncing uh, Monte Cristo, and he says Mon- Monte Crisco. You know, you can kind of assume he's probably not a cigar smoker, but maybe he's just somebody who didn't know the correct pronunciation. So you, is this for you? Are you buying a gift for somebody? And now you've started a conversation and you've eased your way into it. I've been smoking cigars since I was 16. And I still can't pronounce most of them, so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you that. We've well, got, yeah, that's a big complaint. You can't pronounce any of the names. We've got <laughs> listeners that are starting to send us uh, Spanish uh, pronunciations when we butcher stuff. So Yeah, you know. not unlike the primrose that we butchered. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Is Alex Acosta one of them? Because if, if I post this that I, I was on the show, he's definitely going to listen, so I'm giving him a shout-out. He's, he's the... Uh, He's my, my translator from Mexico. Nice. No, I don't think... We need we, that. You know what? Hang on a second. Let me just... We we need a translator. No, it was Adrian Gutierrez that sent us Oh, all right. I'm the, not familiar uh, with that. Yeah. It was Adrian Gutierrez that sent us the pronunciation. Give a shout out to him, though. Exactly. Regardless. So, well, anyway. So what, as we kind of finish up here, and, and again, I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, Aladino Cameroon. It's a great stick. It is. And so much flavor to it. 
that sweetness just it's still i'm done with the cigar i've been drinking coffee and i'm still tasting that cigar yeah it's got a nice long finish and i I think it's very approachable by any smoker anybody that smokes full-bodied stuff you're looking for that full flavor you're not going to get the nicotine kick maybe you're looking for but you're certainly going to get the palate satiation Absolutely. Good, good cigar. Good all-around cigar. I liked it. Definitely. So as we finish up here, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with, um, you know, about you, about the Cigar Authority, um, the, you know, what you guys do there? Uh, we're, um, it's sort of a, a hybrid show. It's a, it's a live review show where we certainly are talking about cigars, but there's an awful lot of dick and fart jokes, and if you're into that sort of thing... Uh, our our people might, definitely are. Yeah, our people get that, yeah. Yeah, so you might want to tune in on Saturdays if you want to catch it live. We go from noon to 2 right on thecigarauthority.com. Uh, and uh, we, we stream to Facebook Live, and we also stream to YouTube Live. And then the podcast goes up right away. There is no post-production as far as cleaning anything up. And uh, we do a little bit of audio scrubbing, and that's it. It What it is is what it is. So it's a, it, it was started... The intention was to get it on the radio, and the unintended consequences is radio died during the last 10 years, and podcasts became all the rage. So we had put it on the podcast really just to save the episodes, and we were we were at one point simulcast on seven radio stations. But, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, radio stations being what they are, you, you enter a contract with them, and you buy the time, and you sell the ad space, and then they don't play your show when they say they're going to play it because... The first time was Spanish Red Sox. That was okay. <laughs> we're, we, you know, we're, we're all about the Red Sox here, up here north of Boston. And then the next time it was some college basketball game was in the finals, and they did that, and it was okay. When they got down to high school across, we had to pack it in and just say, you know what, we're just doing podcast only. And then one year later, podcasts just blew up. I, I, uh, the iPhone came out with the podcast app built into it, you didn't have to go download it. It came on the phones, and that was the kiss of death for radio, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, and being being a radio guy from you know I I worked in radio when I was younger. I actually have a radio station now, and I completely understand what you're talking about there, because with our station, you know, if you're not listening at that moment, you're not hearing what we're doing. Where that's something that I've learned about the podcast is. You know, we did we did our first podcast last year in August, and there are people that still go back and listen to that podcast, right. you know, from from eight, nine, ten months ago, and it's one of those things where the podcast has a shelf life where radio's in the moment, and it's it creates a different type of advertising, a different type of environment because the ad that we're doing now, you know, may get heard by X number of people. But over the course of the next year, two years, five years, it's going to be heard exponentially, you know, greater. And it's one and of I'm, those things where the advertising stays alive. I'm grateful you guys had me on. And this has been, uh, I don't know how long it ends up being when you're done with the, the production, but let's say an hour. It's been an hour long commercial for the Cigar Authority that's going to be on the Internet forever. Precisely. Yeah. Thank you for that. No, we want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know... Uh, we had to reschedule once. Um, I had a few things come up that day, and it just it didn't work. And so I really want to thank you for being flexible with your schedule and taking time no, out no of your problem. day. And- Gosh, the interview of your lifetime. I was so ready last week. <laughs> this week I'm a little tired. I'm cranky. <sighs> Nick's always tired and cranky. It, it seems that way. So. <laughs> 
But no, we we do really want to appreciate your time and really want to thank you for taking time out. And we want to encourage everybody to go over and, and give the Cigar Authority a listen. I mean, you know, Jeff and I were listening to the Cigar Authority before we started our show. I mean, it's the high water mark for us. It so, definitely is. You know, I mean, we we homage the cut every episode with it, for God's yeah, sake. Keep, so, yeah. keep, on, <laughs> keep on keeping on. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Jonathan, for all your time. No problem. Well, we really want to thank Mr. Jonathan for coming on to the show with us again. He was uh, very cool. He had to get rolling. He had to get back to work and uh, everything over there at Two Guys Cigars. So, But uh, we really want to thank him for taking time out of his day to talk to us. I'm not joking when I say going there is on my bucket list. I'd love to go watch them do the uh, Cigar Authority and get to go to the store and buy some smokes. I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, look, I, you know, uh, I was on a recent episode of the of the Smoke and Tobacco show with Matt Tobacco, and he kind of made it sound like I was a giant, giant, giant fanboy. And um, we're fanboys. It's not quite to the level that he made it out, but at yeah, the same, close. but at the same time, I would like to go and see it. I'm not like, you know, I'm not dropping everything to run. But you know, now they're in Salem, uh, New Hampshire. Okay, so interesting. Yeah, they're and they actually have three shops. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. As was all reviewed. Just, I think. Well, I know, I think. but I, you know me. I can't remember anything. I know you can't. Well, anyway. Well, Jeff, how I'm, about. I'm the cross you must bear. I, it's true. So so during that interview, we obviously did uh, finish the Aladino Cameroon. And, um, you know, so it's one of those things we're going to go probably the rest of the episode here with. Uh, well, I'm going to go the rest of the episode with nothing to smoke. I don't know if you're picking up the butt of something out of the ashtray that you've, you know, smoked earlier. I'm going to finish off um, a White Series uh, Monte Cristo. Okay, that's you. See it there? That's, that's you. Yeah. Find, finding something that, you know, is just left in the ashtray for you to smoke. But that's okay. I, you know what? The beauty of you using that deep V cut is I know which ones are yours now, so I don't pick them up by accident. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. If it's a straight uh, cut, I know it was one of mine. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, anyway, uh, how about we jump into some Ask the Boys? Beautiful. So, folks, you can uh, you can take part in the all-new Ask the Boys segment featuring the Cigar Pulpit Ask the Hotline. Ask the Boys 2.0. 2.0. You can call the Cigar Pulpit Hotline. At area code 863-874-0000. You can leave us a voicemail and we will listen to that and play it here on the show and uh, answer your question. So why don't we go ahead and jump right into the first caller. Um, we actually we actually have uh, we actually have two voicemails from the same number here. So I don't know if this is a similar situation uh, to the uh, to the other um, with a follow up question, yeah, follow up yeah. question or what? But I'm gonna I'm gonna play the first one and then we'll get to the second one. Okay. So. Hey there, fellas. It's that Craddock Dennis phoning. Um, I got a question for you. What would you use to bait a mouse that's giving you the mouse finger in your trailer? Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Or I'll listen to you later, rather. Bye for now. Okay, so these questions are from our regular listener, Craddock Dennis. And uh, so I guess his first question is... They're more disturbing when you get to hear him (laughs) ask them than when we read them. So he wants to know, 
What we would use to bait a mouse that's giving him the mouse finger in his trailer. Okay. So I have a mouse story. I figured you would. So I do. This and it just happened well today. Oh, my. So, okay. So Kristen, my lovely ex and I, were out with uh, Addie at some property that her grandparents own. And he's cleaning out the shed. They've, they've actually sold the property. And they're just cleaning up right now, getting ready to do the land transfer and all that. So we were out and, you know, we kind of went out just kind of, you know, for old time's sake to see the place. And, you know, we took Addie down to the pond and she fed the fish and whatnot. Well, while we were there, Kristen's grandfather, who is just the greatest guy, I really like him. But he, he was bringing stuff out of the shed and putting it in the truck. And he brought out his saw. And he's got this really nice saw case. And, you know, the blade of the saw comes out of it. But the, the housing and everything's encased, you know, in this case. And he opened it up. And why he opened up, I'll never know, but I'm glad he did. And he screamed at the top of his lungs. And we all turn around and we're like, what? You know, we thought he got hurt. And he goes, mouse in the saw. And I'm like, wait, what? And he goes, mouse in the saw. Okay. And I'm like, okay then. So I walked over, I opened it up, and this little bastard just stared at me. Big old wide. I mean, he, he was like a cartoon mouse. He had this real shiny, pretty coat. He was a well-taken-care-of mouse. And these giant eyes, like three times too big, like one of those paintings, you know, with the giant eyes. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Yeah. Or, or that girl from uh, uh, oh, from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with the big eyes. Okay. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I shut the lid, and I'm like, hey, Addie, come here. So Addie comes over. Kristen won't get anywhere near it. But Addie comes over. And, like, we open the lid up, and here's this little guy, and he's, like, looking around like he's completely lost, doesn't know what to do, first encounter with humans probably ever, and he's just staring, looking all over the place, and he runs around in the, you know, in the little box for a minute, and he finally jumps out and just goes scampering out across the uh, grass, and I'm sure Kristen's grandfather thought, like, I was going to kill the mouse, but I'm like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I may not be the best guy to ask about baiting a mouse, because as a rule, you know, I, yeah, they're, you know. They're just doing their thing. I don't want them in the house, though. I mean, cheese? Cheese. Cheese? Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> cheese. All right, next question from Craddock Dennis here. You know, the problem is, my favorite book when I was a kid was Mouse and the Motorcycle. So get and, him. So there you go, Craddock. Get him a motorcycle, and he'll drive away from your trailer. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Just, you know, that's, you go. that's why I have a problem killing mice. Anyway. Because it was a beloved Next childhood. Next question, Jeff. Beloved childhood character. Hey, fellas. It's De- at Craddock Dennis calling. Um, I believe I heard Gator having a little episode of Gout on, I think it was his Broccoli Rob episode. And I uh, just wondered if he had any home remedies on a fellow gout sufferer. So uh, just curious as to what, uh, what you might have in your cupboard for uh, alleviating that nasty little business. Anyways, take care. Happy happy 4th of July. It's July 3rd. And uh, stay smoky, fellas. Bye for now. Well, that, that again was at Craddock Dennis. Yes. And, and it turns out I didn't have gout. Okay, so what did you have? I have bursitis. Okay. Which really sounds like I've got rheumatism or something. It's I feel so old having bursitis. My elbow swelled up, got hot to the touch. And, like, I'm really thinking, oh, my God, I've got a tumor. I'm going to die. And it turns out I have bursitis. 
Uh, now, the only way I know that's because I researched it on the internet. I would I say you spent some time on WebMD. Yeah, I didn't go to the hospital. Kind of surprised you don't like have yourself convinced it's like elbow cancer. That's what I thought it was at the beginning. God, scared to death. But no, it uh, it it swelled up the swellings. Swelling is still there. Can you see it? See it, how it t- turns out? Uh, yeah. Isn't that bizarre? It's like I'm deformed. But uh, it it doesn't really hurt anymore. So I'm you know just kind of living with it. But as far as gout, I mean, honestly, you best I know, you got to take some steroids to calm that down. I don't yeah, know how I'm, you get rid of that. I'm not entirely sure. There's a home remedy. Yeah, some for prednisone that. possibly, or you know, con- consult your physician. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what a home remedy for gout is, but I don't know. I guess uh, yeah. I did. I did pick some herbs, and I'm not even going to say what they were because I don't want to lead people down the wrong path. But I actually picked some herbs and made it like a poultice or whatever, and put it on my elbow. It seemed to help. But I'm not a medical professional and don't want to share that information. <laughs> oh, my God. I do love home remedies. I'm not entirely sure this next thing is a question, Jeff. More so of a we're, comment. We're going to go ahead and play this and just okay. see what we get. So hang on. Removed and put on our do not call list. Yep. Press one to speak with someone about the possibility not a question. of extending or reinstating your car's warranty. Again, press one. To so speak now the pulpit hotline's getting spam calls. How do they know my car warranty needs extended? There we go. Yeah. All right. So, public hotline's <laughs> getting spam. Why didn't you even play spam calls? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, anyway, moving on to what appears to be an actual question. An actual caller. All right. Hello, Bishop and Gator. This is Thick Smoke Ryan. Um, I was just wondering. My question is: uh, Do you have any plans to redo that cigar revival you were? you were originally going to do before COVID hit, and if possible, if you do redo it, could you maybe come and check out Renegade Cigars in Richardson, Texas? I would definitely love to meet the both of you and share a cigar with you. I hope to hear your answer soon. Kay, have a have a very smoky day. Bye-bye. Well, I, I want to first of all say that I just feel soothed listening yes. to Thick Smoke Ryan. Yes. He's just got a very smooth voice. Very, very whitish. It just kind of just I like en- it. envelops you. And it's like a big, giant bear hug. Throws you into the back of a van, never to be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that's probably more me. Anyway. Um, no, <laughs> seriously, Ryan. Um, yes, the uh, Cigar Pulpit, Cigar uh, Traveling Freak Show, and Cigar Evangelical Revival. Um, is what you're referring to. That was put on hold because of COVID. We uh, we did make it to Chicago, and we made it to Indianapolis, and then God came said, away unscathed. And then God said, "I don't want Gator traveling, so we're going to smite the world with a pandemic." And so, <laughs> anyway, you know, it's not that far off. It's true. He wanted to keep you confined to yes. one area. Yeah. But anyway, we uh, we are looking at continuing the freak show whenever. Uh, Whenever we can. Um, Sometime in 2028. I know we've got tickets to the Kansas City Cigar Festival again in September. Is there any way that's going to happen? Not going to lie. I'm I'm worried every single day that I wake up that I'm going to have an email in my inbox from Diebels telling me that my ticket price has been refunded and the show's been canceled. Dude, but you got an email you know, from we'll, TPE the we'll other day. See. They're already hedging on whether or not they're going to have an event in January. I know. Well... It wasn't an email. It was an Instagram post. Uh, okay. Yeah, but the point remained. They're, well, they're they're not hedging. What they're saying is that, you know, if for whatever reason it doesn't happen, they're going to refund, you know, booth prices to the manufacturers and all that. But that's smart to do in this case because, I mean, yeah, no, nobody yeah. knows what the future holds at this point. So 
Um, the most I can say, Ryan, is yes, we have every intention of going out in the world again and traveling. Yes, we have every intention of making our way to Texas. I'm not going to lie. Texas might end up having to be a uh, rather uh, lengthy part of the of the freak show just in and of itself due to the fact that a Texas is so big and B there's so many different places to stop because obviously we'd like to swing through and see our friends at the good cigar, Alan, Melissa, and then yep. also uh, Brian and Rob over there at cigar talk. I don't know where they are in relation to uh, renegade in, uh, I don't remember the name of the town that he said in the voice bill, but the point is there's a there's a lot of area in Texas to cover. And everything's bigger in Texas, yeah, baby. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if we're going to be able to do that in like a little weekend trip. So pull we'd up have the, to figure uh, that out. Pull up the audio or the text part of it, and let's see what town it was in. Well, the the text part of it is it's yeah garbled. It's horror. Richardson, Richardson, Texas. Richardson, Texas. Okay. So, yeah. It, well, like any you know transcription of a voicemail, Jeff. It's not exactly great. Like, yeah. You know. But anyway, um, the I guess the long answer was that. The short answer, Ryan, is yes, we will do it again. And yes, we will definitely be adding Texas to the list of places to go. And um, I think I speak for both of us I when I say... don't know when. We'd love to have a cigar with you two, brother. It's true. It's true. Just don't throw me in the back of a van. So Hey, you know what we need to do? We need to get a, record of him, a recording of him saying, hey, I've lost my dog and do you like candy? <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Well, um, final question for Ask the Boys here. Uh, Here we go. What's up, my brothers? Nick Gator, Barbells and Beer here. Hey. From Instagram, fanboy number one. Just calling with a couple questions. Choose any you feel might be appropriate. So... What kind of shenanigans did you get in yesterday on Independence Day? Two, would you rather be a master cigar blender or own a cigar factory? Three, how did the cigar get its name? Why do we call it a cigar and not something else? Four, what's your favorite tobacco leaf? Like, what country? You like Nicaragua? Honduras, Dominican, Cuban. All right, we're going to pause right there because there's still another 22 seconds. Of this Holy voicemail. crap! So I don't know how this many all more, the questions. I don't know how many more questions are coming in. Quite frankly, Love I can't barbells and beers. Keep them straight in my head. So, so the first question was, what kind of shenanigans did we get into on Independence Day? It was actually really good. Independence. I Day. I was going to say, I'm not going to lie. My shenanigans were very, very minor. I hung out at home. Uh, we did a little bit there, not really much at all. Took the, uh, took the little guy to watch the, uh, fireworks in town that lasted. We sat around for 40 minutes, watched literally 10 minutes of fireworks and then had to deal with the traffic getting out. So that was awesome. Um, but he liked the fireworks and I'll be honest, other than that, it was pretty low key. So Independence Day was really low key. I will say, I don't know why everybody bitches about their dogs like being all triggered and stuff when the fireworks go off. Because I took my golden doodle to watch the fireworks with me, and we had a blast. I Did you really? Oh, yeah. Bennett went with us. I I, here, I can prove it. Hold typically on. typically are not ones 
No, they, he was all in, man. We're not fans of that. That so. dog, that dog did not care. I, Jeff, nobody's going to know that you're showing me a picture of the dog on your phone. Well, yeah, true. Except for the fact that I just said that. So anyway, what was the second question? Well, hold on, I got to find the picture. Well, what was the second question? I don't remember now. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to go back. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's right. She airdropped it. Hold I on. know he asked about which I would rather be, a master blender or a factory owner. Own the factory, baby. I'd rather own the factory. You're yeah. making more money doing Master that. blenders are working. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather just own yep. the factory. I want to own the factory. Uh, favorite leaf type. There it is. Yeah, that would be your dog sitting and watching fireworks. <laughs> just had a ball. There you go. He was all in. Um, I know he We'll have to post that on the Instagram. Favorite leaf types. You know, I tend to smoke a lot of Nicaraguan cigars. Connecticut shade grown for um, me. It just kind of is one of those things that it just kind of happens that way. Um, I mean, I like all types. I'm not going to lie. But... This this Cameroon that we smoked today from Aladino was really good. Um but uh, one of my favorite tobaccos is the uh, Connecticut Shade grown by uh, Oscar. I don't know where he grows that, but that's one of my favorite tobaccos. Oscar gets his stuff done in uh, Honduras. Is it? Okay. Well, then Honduran Connecticut Shade grown. Okay. And then, uh, boy, what was the other one? Um, what was the other question he asked? We can circle back. I guess we're going to have to circle back. So let's circle back. Hit play. Three. How did the cigar get its name? Why do we call it a cigar and not something else? I've got the answer. Okay. Vagina was taken. <laughs> what? What else do we like that much? I, uh, <laughs> well, this is offensive to every sister of the leaf that's listening to this right now. Oh, no. Um, I, I celebrate them. I celebrate their whole catalog. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I was going to just assume it's some sort of Native American word, but, you know, hey, there we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Number four. Uh, we already answered number four. So. Did we? Yeah, we answered three of the four, <laughs> and we just couldn't remember that one. Of There's something else coming, what though. What the name of the cigar was. Yeah, we still have 22 seconds left of this. Of this voicemail to listen to. So let's go ahead and get get back into the call from Barbells and Beers. And five, if you could have one song play every time you enter the room, what would it be? Oh, man. Keep up the great work, gentlemen. Great show. Love it. Stay smoky. Talk to you all later. Bye. If we could have one song play every time we walked into the room... What would it be? Dun 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 dun. What is that? I don't know what. That I is. don't know what that is. Maybe something from the Rocky Four soundtrack. What? Oh, Rocky Four is one of the greatest soundtracks ever. What would you play? Some kind of harp? No. Boy, that's a tough question, actually. Cause uh, you want something with some gravitas? Maybe celebration. No. I can't stand that Work song. for the Cardinals. I cannot stand that song. What? What was the one they played at the Blues games when we won the uh, Stanley Cup? Gloria. And no, no. I, I'm, I'm really <laughs> over that song. I was actually too. thinking the John Denver song they play at the games. Take Me Home Country Road. Yeah. I want that. Eh. Is my entrance <laughs> music? Maybe something by ACDC. Or, or, but see, ACD, or. I'll be honest. After Iron Man 2, ACDC kind of like became real played out there. 
Oh, you take that back. I love ACDC, but dude, it became like the like, oh, I'm cool. I'm going to play some back you know, in I, black. I got to you see know? them before the lead singer left the tour. I know. You've, you've it was that. so It was so good. I'm sure. And, and I hate to admit this. Before the concert, I wasn't the biggest ACDC fan. I left there loving them. Well, I'm, there yeah, they go. were phenomenal. That was that was my parting gift to my ex-wife when we got divorced was tickets to ACDC. See, I don't know about that. I, I and see, I, I'm not, I I've never really thought about what I want my entrance music to be. I have thought, you know, the, what you want played at your funeral. No, no. The, I've I've been asked before, what is the one song that you don't want to be your first dance at your wedding? What would you say that is? One song, Pretty much that, any rap. One song that you do not want to be the first song that you're played pretty much any rap really you're gonna just go right there huh well, i'm not i don't want to i don't want to dance to rap on my first song now i was a break dancer when i was younger so i mean i'm all in for like the electric boogaloo and whatnot but so, you know I, i'll i'll tell you what the real answer is about the first not dance. the electric boogaloo too because that's a whole thing about taking over the government but the anyway. first the first dance that you uh, for a wedding you do you don't want it to be smack my bitch up by the prodigy <laughs> And I can say that with some experience because I had a friend of mine, his name was uh, Mike Whitaker, and uh, Mike decided it would be really funny um, to play Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up as his... Oh, um, God. And he started it, and then they stopped it, and then they played the actual song. The the new father-in-law was not amused. <laughs> <laughs> when you get married again, I want to I want to stand up and scream this wedding is horse shit and storm out. You know, like in Step Brothers. What do you mean when I get married again? <laughs> the fuck? I didn't get to go to the first one. That's true. That's true. I don't think I knew you. I didn't know you for the first one. No. Yeah. So, but we did one of the first things we ever did together was go to a wedding. We that did. was a night. St. Louis. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. We did not know each other that well, and we were hanging out at a wedding. That's true. You showed up really late. I just, just dropped my phone. Dropped your phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I skipped the wedding. Went straight boy, to I'm the still, dinner. I'm still. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking about this song thing, and I'm not going to lie. I may have to circle back on this one. You may have to give me a week. I may have to circle back in order to give a proper. You don't answer. like the dun 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 dun. dun what dun, is dun, that? Dun, 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 dun. You. Everybody listening knows. You don't? No. I have no idea. Maybe maybe Crazy Train. Oh. Little Ozzy. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Bark at the moon? I can't I can't think of one particular song that stands out with that kind of epic gravitas. Oh my god, I know what your song is. Wake me up before you go go. Wham. No. Wake me up. Before you go, go. No. <laughs> I know what it is, and I'm going to have it in my head all night me up. this. But I no. do this to him all the time. Guys, Stop. I earworm him all the time with just the most random stuff, and it eats at him for like the next two, three days. days. It's crazy. Days. Anyway. Oh, well, that's Before this week's that that's, that's this week's Ask the Boys. So I don't think we um, ever answered the fourth question. I think we skipped a question. No, we answered all five. I don't think we Well, we answered four of the five. We didn't answer the song one. Yeah. First I, th- one? I think we completely skipped a question. No, we didn't. Okay. I think we only answered four questions. All right, Jeff. What were the questions then? <sighs> what what leaf we like, if we would be the owner or a blender. Yeah. The song. Cigar gets his name. 
Yeah, Cigar gets its name. How did I forget that? I don't know. And we did not answer a fifth yes, question. We did. You skipped one. You skipped the first question in that sequence. What is it? And I don't remember, but I know we <laughs> answered it. I know we answered it. Our collective memories don't add up to one person. I know we answered it. I know we did. The only one we didn't answer was number five. This is riveting podcast right here. I just want to point out <laughs> it, our short-term should our short-term memory loss is just riveting. We can't remember podcast. something thirty seconds ago. Anyway, guys, if you want to take part in the Ask the Boys, use the Cigar Pulpit Hotline, area code eight six three eight seven four zero 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 zero. It's as simple as just leaving us a message, and we will answer your uh, question on a future episode. We love you guys. Thanks for calling in. Now that we're done with Ask the Boys, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, Cigar Reviews with Larry the Mute. How are you, Larry? Hi, Larry. So, today, Larry has a special one. Larry will be smoking the Phillies Titan Natural Lonsdale. <laughs> this is a... I have uh, not had that. It, it is a 6.1 inch by 44 Corona. It actually only at your finer gas stations has a size. Comes in a box of fifty. What? Yes, the MSRP on that box of fifty is fifty nine dollars and fifty cents. So, so they're a dollar and what slight, a dollar nine, slightly a over a buck okay. a piece. Yeah. So anyway, so um, I think it's time we go ahead and turn the mic over to Larry so that he can uh, talk about his experiences with the Phillies Titan Natural Lonsdale. Take it away, Larry. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> why? Just why do you do? Why do you insist on doing this? I don't insist. Larry likes doing the reviews. You're the one that always craps on him. Dear God. Anyway, well, that was uh, that was the Phillies Titan Natural Lonsdale. I mean, you know, we haven't gotten one complaint letter about this. He's got a box of fifty of these damn things. <laughs> I know. And hey, will you leave me a couple? I want to try it. I mean, I would hope that he would have like you know enjoyed it enough that he's. Happy that he's got the box, but got to admit that's a pretty good deal. You know, fifty cigars for less It'll than sixty cut your bucks. dollar cost average. I mean, it's a Corona. It's something. I don't think we need any more Corona right now. <laughs> anyway, oh well, thanks, Larry. I appreciate you wasting your time as always with Jeff being a dick. See you, brother. Oh, look, he set up number one. Oh, wait, I don't think that's what he's saying. Oh. So, well, anyway, that was harsh. So, it was hurtful. Such yeah. is life. Yeah, such is life. Say la vie, as it were. Yeah, yeah. So, what's up next? Are you gonna fucking segue me on the my monthly and the socials, or am I just twisting the fucking wind here? <laughs> twisting in the wind. Okay. You gotta leave that in. No, please. You gotta leave that in. No. <laughs> so Nick would like me to ask him how you get a hold of us on the socials. <laughs> you sack of shit. Ah. <laughs> uh. We're available on Instagram at The Cigar Pulpit, as well as at Naked Gator, N-E-K-K-I-D Gator. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, 
and CigarPulpit.com. And by the way, we our sponsor is MyMonthlyCigars.com. And I will say we're going to be having Broccoli Rob on the cast with us on Friday. Yes, we're going to be smoking a selection from the July My Monthly Cigars box with uh, Broccoli Rob. From also known Final Third Cigar. Final Third Cigar. And My Monthly Cigar is a premium cigar subscription service where you can get boxes of cigars sent to your door every month. We get the Robusto box, which is four, four cigars for $30. He also has the El Presidente, which is eight cigars for $50. It's two of everything that's in the Robusto box. So it's good for sharing with, like, you know, it's a relative or a friend or something. Yeah. Exactly. And both the Robusto and El Presidente box come with the MSRP guarantee, which states that the value of the cigars within the box is guaranteed to meet or exceed the price of the box. I think we did the math on the July box, Jeff, and what did we come up with here? It's like... Um, Shoot, that one in the test tube was like... It's a, like 44 It's like $44 yeah, worth of cigars. The one in the test tube was like the, 15 bucks by itself. Yeah, it's like $44 worth of cigars in the July box. Um, for thirty bucks, but then you know when you do the uh, Presidente box, you're actually getting what thirty eight dollars worth of savings, not just fourteen dollars. Damn worth straight. Of so you're saving money by spending That's right. money. That's right. Yep. And when you use offer code Pulpit P U L P I T, that saves you free shipping on the first box of your subscription, or it gets you twenty percent off any of the items in their online store because he has an online store where you can buy cigars and accessories and all swag and whatnot. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we would also be remiss if we didn't mention that he has gift certificates available. Yes, for the cigar lover in your life, when you don't know what to buy them, and don't try and buy them no. something if you don't know what they like. Um, just go ahead and get a My Monthly Cigars gift card. It's an electronic gift card. Comes in email to you. You just give them that. And buy it they're all day set, of. Ready to That's go. Right. Yep. And Super we'd easy. be remiss at this point if we didn't mention our contest. Yes, the hell we, of are a contest. Doing, we are still doing our contest. It's running until Friday. So you guys have plenty of time. Head on over to either my Instagram page, The Cigar Pulpit, or Jeff's Instagram page, Naked Gator. And the just look for the image, the giveaway image, and all of the rules are listed there. It's really simple to enter. And you not only get a nice collection of uh, swag, including some cigars and all kinds of other fun stuff, but from us, from the pulpit, all the prizes are listed there in the And there's a the, ton uh, of good stuff. Entries. There's a ton of stuff. Um, but you're also going to be getting a cigar pulpit hat. You're going to be getting a personal selection of four cigars out of my personal humidor. And then you're also getting an autographed 8 by 10 of me and Gator. Now, I mean, no. how can that be like... Larry slipped me a note before he left. Yeah. And I haven't, yeah. I haven't even read this to you yet because I oh wanted to get your reaction. Oh, God. oh, God. He's going to step up as well. He's tossing in a pack of peach swishers. <laughs> autographed yes. by Larry? We can Sweet. make that happen. Okay. You might All be right. able We're to make Who that happen. seem to like me. Yeah, because you're a douche to him every time he comes on the show. But I love this. Autographed Peach Swishers also in the prize pack. That is a new addition as of yes. right this instant, folks. Better so and not better. only are you getting everything listed there, you're also going to get an autographed Larry the Mute pack of Peach Swishers. And if we could figure out the way to pack it properly without it breaking, I'm sure the BF Chicken would throw it in there. <laughs> But I don't want you to get a box with a whole bunch of like egg guts. Yes. Over it. Well, so we're gonna we're gonna skip that. No. What I was gonna say is we should hard boil the egg first and then ship it. That's gross. That would stink. <laughs> Everybody gets heaven. the prize pack. 
they get the prize pack from us, and it's got a <laughs> stanky old hard-boiled egg oh in there. God. Yeah, that would be that'd be funny. So, anyway, so yeah, no, make sure you head on over to our Instagram pages and uh, sign up. Get involved in the contest. This is like an easy way of winning some really and there's cool some swag, cool stuff. guys. You're going to love the picture of us. Yeah. What are we having the photo shoot? I don't know. Yep. We're going to have to get that taken care of soon, you know, obviously, before we you know, get Prince made and sign we, If we cheat, out, we so. could use the picture of us from Halloween dressed up like the dude and uh, Walter. Yeah. We could. That was our last photo shoot, be actually. An, that would definitely be an appropriate photo mm-hmm. for us, you know. That but, lady um, at no. the bowling alley was so mad at us that day. Oh, she was. It did not get the joke at all. No, she didn't get it at all. But anyway. And then after we are done with our contest, it'll end Friday. And then we're going to go on to the cigar, uh, the good cigar with Alan Melissa on. um, Al's a good dude. uh, Yeah. Yeah, on Sunday the 19th. And we're going to go on that show and we're going to announce. Are we going on there or just you? Because you never let me go on the other shows. I can talk to them. I mean, I don't know. Are you going to be available? Okay. Yeah, so more than likely just me because you're never available to do this kind of stuff. But anyway, I will uh, one, or, one or both of us will be on the Both of our lawyers Alan agreed Melissa. to that contract. Just want to point that and, out. And um, <laughs> anyway, so one or both of us will be on the Good Cigar with Alan Melissa on Sunday the 19th. We'll announce the winner of our contest. And then the Good Cigar is going to start their contest. So, you know, the season of contests leading up to this big contest we've got in the fall just keeps on rolling That's gonna down the highway. It's going to be a good so. contest in the fall. Oh, you guys you, don't some even good stuff know. Coming. You have no idea. Martinez Cigars is working yeah, they overtime stepped up. on stepped this up. one. So let me tell you, there's going to be some good, good stuff. So make sure you uh, enter our contest and make sure you listen to The Good Cigar on the 19th. If I'm not mistaken, the winner. the winner of our prize is automatically entered in that fall contest. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. So you yes. definitely want to step up and try to win this because it's going to get you an automatic entry. Yeah, you get an automatic entry yep. into the big one. So works out well well anyway well i'm not gonna lie any, dude uh, i love that cameroon that aladino is a good, it was stick. A good cigar i'll tell you what the guys down at jerry tobacco you know justo his dad Julio, i used to hang out with you know, him down doing, by the school stop yard. it stop it <laughs> anyway they're they're doing great work and you know when they came out with that cameroon i knew it was gonna be something special and it, it definitely turned out to be the case so um, I'm really happy we got to smoke that today. Fair enough. He tried to talk through that so fast, so I couldn't jump in and I couldn't resist. Anyway. <laughs> well, Jeff, do you have anything else oh for the better of the no. cause? Just play some Simon right. Garfunkel or whatever now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> well, once again, we want to thank Mr. Jonathan from the Cigar Authority for taking time out to speak with us. That was oh, a good was interview, and he's a he's a good he's a cat. Good interview. I, there was a wealth yes. of knowledge there. Like I'm really impressed by him. Uh, no, I know, and that's the thing. He catches a lot of crap on the Cigar Authority. And, not you know, not here. He might be a little rough around the edges, but he was no, gold, super man. nice guy. Couldn't yep. have been better. So nope. Really want to thank him for his time. Otherwise, I got nothing, Jeff. Giddy up. All right. Well, I'm Nick. I'm Gator. This has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. Stay safe and stay smoky.
The views and opinions of the hosts of The Cigar Pulpit do not necessarily reflect those of the advertisers and sponsors of The Cigar Pulpit.